What is, what is this? Somebody tell me what this is. This is a, this is a fly swatter, right? If there's a fly in here. You, you, you just come down with all your might. Now, would that kill a fly? Now, this is Lydia's, so she would, she would let me have it if I did that. That is not made to kill flies, but it, it would work. Isn't, isn't it uh, necessity is the invention of convenience? What is that? Something like that? Uh, yeah, of ingenuity or something of that nature. Yeah, I can't remember. But anyway, sometimes we use things that aren't designed just because we need to. And if we're not careful, we end up letting the fly go and busting ourselves and hurting things in the process. Um, This is so clear to us as humans regarding how God made us. God made us to be worshipers. He made us to be worshipers of Him alone. But along about day 77, I don't know what day it was, we, we listened to the serpent and we fell. At that point, we became broken as a human race. And, and that brokenness is reflected in how we do not carry out the means for which we are created well. In fact, our whole lives, until God takes us to heaven, we will struggle inside with this worship. What I am made to do and to be. Um, Calvin uh, states, as often quoted, that, that we, are, we are, our hearts are idols' workshops. Idol factory, an idol factory. Our, our hearts are, are idol factories, and that's true. Instead of worshiping God with our, all our heart, soul, and mind, we end up giving other things the, the worth that God deserves. Um, because we're broken. And so we may focus all of our time, attention, our thoughts on the Mets. Or camping. Or a child. Or a car. Just saw on the way over here is Nissan. Uh, it said, I love my Nissan. It was, it was a little hard on it. And right below it was this huge dent that someone had run into. I felt so bad. But... But if you love your Nissan so much, that dent will seriously affect your affections. And you'll recognize what you treasure. When when something happens to what you treasure, to where you're you're affected severely, you recognize, wow, my treasure was found in there. Because where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Right? And so we need to be reminded repeatedly, daily, to focus our hearts upon God because he's made us so that we function best when we're playing a guitar and not whacking a fly. He's made us to where we function well when all that we do, my job, my dadhood, my husbandhood, my pastorhood, is all about worship. It's all pouring out to God as a praise song. Everything I do, whether I'm singing or I'm, I'm walking is praise. That's what I'm made to do. And when I fall short of that, or when I get into living for other things, it's, it's not just idolatry, it hurts me. I'm not made to do that. And you aren't made to do that either. 
And so the Lord gives us all of these reminders in Psalms to recalibrate us, to do what we were made to do. And so this Psalm 148 does just that. It just so many times it says, guys, get your eyes off of yourself. Get your eyes off of your circumstances. Get your eyes off of all the stuff around you. Get your eyes on God. You are made to do that. And when you do that, you can sit in that storm and worship as you bail. It doesn't mean you, got, you can't stop. But you got to keep paying the bills. You got to keep trying to keep afloat. But you rest in the fact that Jesus is, Jesus is in, the sh- in the ship as well. And you worship him. Look at all these references. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise him. Praise him. Right? And so this is the repeated refrain of this psalm. Uh, I'm going to just fly through this, right? This is our last review of the psalms. We know who wrote them. Well, several people. Some of them we don't know exactly, but here's some names. David, sons of Korah, music director, Asaph, Solomon, He-Man. Maybe She-Ra, I don't know. We don't have any ladies that wrote them, but Ethan. um, Some of them are unnamed, anonymous. To whom do they write? They write to the Lord. Uh, let me clarify, that is not He-Man. I just, sometimes I need to read my sermon here. God, 365 times. Adonai, Master, 54 times. When? 1,500, all the way back from Moses wrote some, all the way to 500, or actually a little bit further than that even. What are the, what are the Psalms? The Psalms make up a Jewish songbook. The Psalms cover a range of emotions, so they're helpful for us. And this is why I say the Psalms are are one of the reasons we have so much trouble, I think, with mental health. People don't know how to handle emotions because God gave us a book to help us with our emotions, and the church has totally ignored it. Not totally ignored it, but we we do a lot of ignoring it. Uh, The Psalms cover a range of emotions helping us be sad, helping us express our laments to God and rejoice okay and so we found these five different categories wisdom psalms messianic psalms justice psalms complaint or lament psalms that turn either to praise or prayer and then when the prayer is answered we have these praise songs praise the lord over and over and over all these different themes that he gives to praise the lord okay so our summary sentence is praise the lord for he is great and will bring the Messiah who provides eternal deliverance to all who trust in him. So why do we do this? Because God is worthy of our praise. So, like, this has been a hard series to choose. We're <laughs> 150 of them, and I didn't want to choose ones that, that we had looked at together as a church, so it was hard to know which ones to choose. And, um, and so where do we end? Like, which Psalms do we, do we end this series with? It would be really hard. Uh, so I decided to, to end where the Psalms do, where the book of the Psalms do. And if you look in your Bibles, the last five Psalms all are praise Psalms. And in fact, in those Psalms, you will not find lament, complaint, or prayer request. It's all focused on God. They're all filled with hallelujahs, focusing us on the Lord. And so today we're going to look at the middle one, uh, Psalm 148. But I would encourage you today to get into 146, 147, 148, 149, and 150 as a good time of praise to God, okay? Um, so let's, uh, let's look together. 
Uh, it's, this one actually is, is really easy to kind of fall in front of you. Sometimes you, you look at a text of scripture and it's, it's kind of like a watermelon when you cut it open. You're like, okay, I see seeds and I see rind and I see mush, but I, like, I, I'm not seeing the divisions well. But this one is like an orange. You cut it and you see the divisions really neatly, really clearly. Okay, and so verses 1 to 6, praise the Lord from the heavens. Verses 7 to 14, praise the Lord's all the earth. Praise the Lord all the earth. Praise the Lord heavens, praise the Lord earth. Very easy. But in each case, he gives us not just a call, but a cause or a reason for praise. So he calls heaven to praise, he gives us a reason to. He calls earth to praise, and he gives us a reason to. Okay, so that's how it unfolds in front of us. So let's jump into, first of all, Praise the Lord, all the heavens, verses 1 to 6. Let's call the heavens to praise the Lord. Uh, the call itself is in verse 1. All right, so in each case, uh, verses 1 to 6, and in verses 7 to 14, it begins with a verse of just appealing, commanding. Call, praise the Lord. And then verse 7, the same thing, as he calls the earth, to praise. Okay, so there's this command, the call. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. So he's talking to the balcony. Uh, balcony, Paul. Praise the Lord. We only have one person on our balcony today. Um, this is what he starts with. Starting with the balcony of creation. Now you guys start, praise the Lord together. The call. Now, you might know that this is the term hallelujah, that first phrase, praise the Lord. Uh, this would be right from right to left, Hebrew, hallelujah, hallelujah, or hallelujah, and then Yah would be the, our term Yahweh, right? We were learning that in our series of the Psalms. This is a Y-A, Yah, Yahweh. Praise Yahweh. So whenever you see praise the Lord in Hebrew, it's probably hallelujah. Now, sometimes we say hallelujah, right? We say that, and, and, and what, what should come after that is actually praise, <laughs> right? So sometimes people say hallelujah, and it's kind of like if I'm saying, tell me a story, tell me a story, tell me a story, and then like that's not where you stop. You want someone to tell you a story. And so, hallelujah means somebody give me a reason to praise the Lord. Or calling the church to praise the Lord. In one sense, it's praise in itself as an exclamation. But if you take it literally, it's, it's just, if we translate it, it's saying, everybody praise the Lord. So it's a command to praise the Lord. But then we should move on to the praise. Okay, And so he does that. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the high, highest places. And so this is the place from which He calls praise. Now look at the called. In each case, we'll look at the call and then the called. Who is called to praise Him? Get some interesting, uh, interesting concepts here. And, and there's a lot of rabbit trails I would love to take, and we're not going to have time for them. Uh, but you could, maybe I'll just point you down the road, and, and you can look at them yourself. Uh, We'll, we'll summarize these three verses, verse 2, verse 3, and 4. If you're taking notes, you could write these down. Verse 2, we'll call spirit beings. Verse 3, we'll call celestial bodies. And verse 4, we'll call space stuff. 
Okay, verse 2, as he calls to the heavens to praise him, uh, he starts off with spirit beings. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. I think this is a case where we do have that parallelism, where we have a similar idea between angels and hosts of angels. Okay? So he's re- referencing these angels. Praise him, praise him, you know, it's praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. And then he's just directing which person should praise. Starts off with these angels. The angels are required or called to praise him. Who are these angels? Oh, it's, it's the reference to messengers, right? The word is messengers. But as you read all the cases of these messengers in the Old Testament, that this word refers to, you find that these are actually spirit beings uh, that do God's bidding. Um, not told everything about them. The Bible is not about angels. And so as God uh, reveals Scripture, He doesn't do it as an encyclopedia where you look up the A and you find angels and you find out all about angels. You have to actually read through the whole Bible and discover what does God say about angels. Right, and so we find that they do uh, come from heaven. And so we find uh, them calling to Abraham from heaven. We find angels appearing with Jesus in heaven before Jacob at Jacob's ladder. We find Jesus describing seeing a fallen angel where he says, I saw Satan fall from heaven. He, he saw this burning one fall from heaven. In Isaiah, we read of these angels as burning ones, seraphim, who cry out night and day before God, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. So there they're in that heavenly realm, and and so we really see a close tie to this psalm where he's calling them to do what they are doing. But then we read some interesting verses in, in Daniel where you find these angels wrestling as a prince of Persia wrestling with a prince of Israel, and We read in the New Testament of angels actually looking down on the church and glorifying God for what God is doing at Grace Baptist Church by calling Jewish people and Gentile people to worship together. Fascinating. One of the verses I'd encourage us to just read, and you can take your notes, Revelation 5, 11 through 14. This is an amazing scene of angels. Uh, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. Well, what do they do? They praise Jesus, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And then we, we, we expand to verses 7 and following. Every created thing which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all the things in them, I heard saying to him who sits on the throne and on, to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. Fascinating worship scene where thousands upon thousands, and one, translates, one translation puts... 10,000 times 10,000, myriads of myriads. That's 100 million and thousands of thousands. Right? Imagine 8 million people in New York City trying to put us all in one room. 
multiply that by 10. Like we can't conceive of a realm where this is possible. And yet this is the heavenly scene. Everyone worshiping Jesus. And so this is what the angels are called to do. Moves from angels to, to celestial bodies. This is fascinating. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all stars of light. And so he, he goes from this, the, the, the angels to sun, moon, and the billions upon billions of stars. The sun that gives us day and night, light and warmth, keeping us alive. It ticks and it talks the day and the night. I'm amazed how this watch works for us, right? It continues to work. It continues to work. I think technically this is what we would call uh, an expression of speech giving to these inanimate objects human character traits, right? That they're praising. They have voices. The man in the moon doesn't speak, and, and so it seems as though he's taking poetic liberties here. But I would say this. There is a very real sense in which each of these items do give glory to God. They praise Him in that they do what they were made to do. As they do what they were made to do, as God made them, as He created the sun to warm the earth, as it does it, it is crying glory to its Creator. And so Psalm 19 says, Day after day pours forth speech from these heavenly places, declaring God's glory. Just as you and I do what God says when we obey Him, we show His glory. These inanimate objects often preach much better than we do. Romans 1 puts it this way, For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, the things that you can't see about God, are clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that we are without excuse, namely His power and His deity. We see God's power and His deity when we see the amazing stars, sun, and moon. It is fascinating what's going out on up there. And then verse 4 really gets interesting. Praise Him, highest heavens. So we go to the, the heavens of the heavens. And it may be that there is this ascending and then the next seven descend, perhaps. But he says, the highest heavens, and then what? The waters that are above the heavens. I didn't know that was there. What does science tell us about that? Is there somewhere we're finally going to reach the edge of all of this expanse and we're going to find water? They're searching for water out there. I don't know what that would do. Why do people want water out there? But they do. This is fascinating. Um, just two days ago, the New York Times uh, article was, was talking about the, this, this new telescope, James Webb Tubbles telescope, Space Telescope, and uh, says they're, they're having a fantastic rookie season. On Thursday, a team of astrophysicists using the new telescope, this is just two days ago, uh, to probe exoplanets added to what has been a bunch of discoveries when they announced that they had detected carbon dioxide in the atmosphere of an exoplanet for the first time. So CO2 they're finding, right? Maybe they'll find H2O out there. 
So we have a verse that says that's probably true. We probably will find that. So eventually they'll catch up to Scripture. That will be awesome. Um, and you know what it's doing? It, what's fascinating here is people are saying how amazing these images are. This is a spectacular telescope, right? Have you seen that? What a spectacular telescope. The telescope isn't doing that. God did that, right? It's kind of like, I don't know. If you go and look at a beautiful Rolex watch through a, through a window, you don't say, look at this window. You say, look at the watch. Isn't that beautiful? Right? And so God is just saying, he's just letting us little by little say, you thought you were floored before? Let me open the curtain just a little bit more. Now do you believe me? That I am all-powerful. It's amazing what God is doing. And it's telling a story. And this is the story it's telling. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Because, and he moves on to the cause here. So we go from the call for heaven to praise the Lord to the cause itself. Let them praise the name of the Lord. Why? You think it's amazing out there? This is what happened. He commanded and they were created. Jesus spoke and it came. Jesus commanded and a full-grown Adam was there. Jesus spoke and a tree was there. Numerous trees. Not seeds, trees. Jesus spoke and you had sun, moon, and stars fully formed, fully... All the works. All the works. And who knows how far out it goes. I think the Lord's just, just playing with us, making us fools to think we can conceive of how big this is. We can't conceive of it. Jesus spoke and it's there. And then verse 6, He also established them forever and ever. He has made a decree which will not pass away. Alright, so this gets into a little bit of a theological debate and this is another rabbit trail that we could go down, but um, you read about in the New Testament, the elements melting with a fervent heat. Right? And, and, and the idea is that there will be a time, perhaps an apocalyptic time, uh, where everything melts. And you see that as you hear these nukes and so forth. Um, and so some would say that, there is a, that God will allow humanity to punish itself to where, to where he, he re, has to recreate everything. The other view would be that, that it is just, there, there is judgment that comes, and the elements are just some of the elements, and God makes all things new. And, and that's kind of where I tend. Uh, that the Lord, that, that as we are carrying out his, uh, his commands to share the gospel, we're actually uh, striving to see some of that fulfilled in what he made us to do, making all things work well. That's what the Garden of Eden was all about. Glorious. And as we are filled with the Spirit and living together in unity, we actually have a sense of what the Garden was. And all of creation is longing for that. It's moaning for that. The, the redemption of our bodies. And it sings in a minor key until Jesus glorifies everything. Not just our bodies to be perfect, but the world. And He makes it all new again. He renews it all. But it will be very similar to the way it is now. Because he has made a decree which will not pass away. Okay? 
And so we need to praise the Lord for what He has done in the heavens. And then secondly here, praise the Lord for what He has done on the what? On the earth. Oh, let me, let me give this quick quote from Teddy Roosevelt uh, before we move to the earth. He would often say this, and it sounds like he did this uh, kind of like a, not every night, but very often. Uh, he would go out with his friends and enjoy the beauty of the sky. You guys know he lived on Long Island for a period of time. Uh, so you could see him there without the city lights, just looking up and, and seeing all these stars. And they would say, that is the spiral galaxy in Andromeda, uh, pointing to that patch of light. It is a, as large as our Milky Way. It is one of a hundred million galaxies. It consists of 100 billion suns, each larger than our sun. And then there would be quiet. And then he would say, now I think we're small enough. Let's go to sleep. <laughs> and that's what this does. When, when we see the stars out there, when we see the, the amazing nature of God's creation, we say, I, I finally feel small enough. But it takes that. Because if we don't do that, then we think, I'm the center of the solar system. And you work by people that are that way. Or maybe your apartment next door. Everything is about them because they have yet to see it's all about God. He is so big. We are so, so infinitely small. And so we need to praise Him for all He's done. Understanding the sky helps us put ourselves into perspective. If heaven is really that big, then I am that small. I praise God for noticing me at all. And so we praise the Lord on earth. Right? He gives this call for all the earth to praise Him. It's very similar here. Again, very similar outline. Praise is a call. Verse 7. Praise the Lord from the earth. Okay, so praise the Lord from the heaven, from the balcony. Now He gets to the main floor. All right, everybody on earth, you praise God too. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord on the earth. And then these are interesting, aren't they? Uh, the, the, the call itself is for all these different... And, and, and it's just interesting, right? Sea monsters. Okay, all you sea monsters out there, praise the Lord. You say, well, that's odd. Have you seen these things down in the sea? You're monstrous, ugly. You go fishing in lakes and you can get some weird stuff. Catfish are so ugly. And they're like, they can huge catfish, 136 pounds. Um, but you go into the ocean and you enter a new level of, of, of ugly, monstrous. And, and what he's saying, and I think what he's doing here is he's pointing to these things and he's saying, these are things you can't tame. These are things you can't fathom. And yet all of them are praising God. You can't even catch this stuff. You can't even enter where they are. To this, to this day, we can't go that deep as humans. And yet they're there because God put them there. And so, not only the sea monsters and all the deeps, but fire and hail, snow and clouds. And so we get to these other things. Weather, right? Stormy wind fulfilling His word. Moves on from the ocean and the weather to land and the beasts of the land. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, small trees, large trees. Praise the Lord. Let the, the, the trees' hands clap and praise the Lord. 
mountains and hills, fruit trees and cedars. And then he gets to the beasts, all the beasts and the cattle, the creeping things and the winged fowl, little, all the beasts and the, and the birds. Praise the Lord. And then he ends with humans. He calls upon us and he goes from the, the royal to the peasant. Very uh, well-to-do, uh, powerful, and then us normal folk. Uh, all of you praise the Lord. Princes and judges, and then young and old. Young men and virgins, old men and children. All of you praise the Lord. He's calling the earth to praise God. Because He deserves it. And then verses, so the verses 13 and 14, give us the reason for this. And this is what I think is a, a good climax to end with. Why should we praise the Lord? Well, for creation... Uh, But also, verse 13, let them praise the name of the Lord, for His name alone is exalted. His glory is above earth and heaven. He has lifted up a horn for His people. Praise for all His godly ones, even for the sons of Israel, a people near to Him. Praise the Lord. Now, I I could take a lot of time with each of those. I'm only going to focus on one of them. Um, Let them praise the Lord, for His name alone is exalted. The worship of God is exclusive. There are not many gods. There is one God, and His name is Yahweh. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is the God of Peter, James, and John. He is the God of the Bible. And worshiping anyone else is is idol worship. But also, we fashion gods in our own making. What we want God to be like. Well, I don't want Him to, to, to agree with this. I want Him to be more in tune with what's... What's, the, what's in vogue today? That's a God of your own making. That's an idol. And so we have to worship God as He declares Himself holy, holy, holy. Worship of Yahweh, though, is inexhaustible. Not just exclusive, it's inexhaustible. So look at that. His glory is above earth and heaven. That's an, a fascinating, fascinating line. Why? Follow what He's doing there. His glory is above earth and heaven. What has he just been doing for 13 verses? He's been naming all these things in heaven, all these things in earth, and he's listing all, 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 all. You know what? Not even that was enough. His glory is above all of heaven and earth. If all of heaven and earth were praising him, he deserves glory even above that. And so the worship of Yahweh is inexhaustible. In verse 14, kind of brings it home to us. He is merciful. All of this has been about God without relation to us. God is always all-glorious and worshipful. But what's amazing is verse 14. That this amazing, transcendent being who has always been what he always will be, who spoke and all things came into being, doesn't need us at all, could cease to speak. All he would need to do is stop speaking and we would cease to exist. And that God deals with you on a personal, intimate level. The God of the angels praising, where there are hundreds of millions of them at least, I feel like You know, if I was in there, I would feel so tiny 
And that's a good feeling. But you know what is awesome? Jesus would see me there. Just like he sees me here. He would hear my song of praise. Just like he hears my song of praise. And so verse 14 really gets down. It goes to concentric circles. His people and then his godly ones, his sons of Israel, mainly those who are near to him. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And that includes all of us in this room. But verse 14 is a very important phrase that I want to take just a couple minutes with us. It will be done. Okay, please grasp this. Okay, we, we do this. We read over these things and, and sometimes we don't let them sink in. He has lifted up a horn for his people. What is that talking about? If I were saying that on Queens Boulevard, boy, this guy's really lifting up his horn. What am I talking about? I'm talking about traffic. Like, stop blaring your horn, right? That's not at all. So, like, when we hear that, it's totally different than when they heard that. When they heard that and they sung that, what were they talking about? Somebody threw out some ideas. What do you think they were talking about? Almost 80 times this word comes up in the Hebrew. What do you think a lot of them have reference to? The horn. Okay, I'm getting some words. I didn't catch any of them, though. Somebody say a couple words. Help me out. The shofar, okay. The trump, the, the ram's horn blast, okay. Okay, a scepter, right? The, what's that? Oh. Okay. Actually, the, the, the most references refer to the altar, the, the horns on the altar. And so if you were to look up every reference to horn, you would see a big chunk of them have to do with, with that altar where there were horns. And, and, and so on the edge of the altar... There would be these, these horns, and, uh, and so the, the priest would make a sacrifice, and then he would apply blood to them. The other reference that continues to come up, and I think as you read the Psalms, that the idea of sacrifice is there, but, but the, the most prominent one in the Psalms would be anointing. Because the priest would use the, the horns for the altar, but also the priest would anoint the king. And so it's kind of like a cup. You use the cup to take oil and anoint that king. And so you read 1 Samuel 16.1, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve ever over Saul? I've rejected him. Fill your horn with oil. So it's like this special horn that they had. And anoint David. Zadok the priest, 1 Kings 139, took horn of oil and anointed Solomon, the next king. And so you find that over and over. In fact, turn over to Psalm 92.10. Psalmist says, You have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil. So there's these concepts that come up. Of course, the the main thing is is a horn is, is a goat, right? A ram. And it's their strength. And so that came to symbolize strength and and, and combining that with anointing this king was like, like the, the Lord's strength and anointing is upon you. The Spirit of God is on you. And so we hear Hannah 
pouring her, out her heart to God when she is not able to have a child and she's being mocked and scorned by others. She's greatly distressed, 1 Samuel 1.10. Uh, and then it says she prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. The greatly distressed is bitter of spirit. I don't know if you feel bitter of spirit because of something in your life today. You may feel like Hannah, and you can just see her pouring out her heart and tears for years, saying, Lord, why have you allowed me to be in this situation in her life? And she's got a bowl full of Brussels sprouts. She's bitter, and she's eating them. She's okay, but she's like, Lord, please change this. Please change this. And she's praying in the temple near to the horns of the altar. And God heard her prayer. In 1 Samuel 2.1, she says, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth speaks boldly against my enemies. So this concept of sacrifice, of anointing, turned into this idea of God's strength and blessing on that person. And so they would say, The Lord is making my horn strong. Raising up my horn is like, like my, my prospects, my my prosperity, my blessing, both spiritually and physically, all had reference. And, and so when you read the Psalms, you see it over and over, and that's what it's talking about. This Samuel that she praised the Lord for exalting her horn was the one that used the horn to anoint King David with oil. And we know that King David would eventually have a, a son, and, and we would find these two big ideas of horns with Jesus, wouldn't we? Because he was the ultimate anointed one. And so, as God says, I will exalt the horn of Israel. We find this as the, the prominent, most important fulfillment of verse 14 is Jesus, Yeshua, Messiah, who is the anointed one, who is the strength of Israel and all of us. But if I could bring one more verse into this, and this is an amazing verse. Let me just read it for you. Psalm 118, verses 25 to 29. There was another purpose on that altar for the horns. It was to tie down the sacrifice so that it could not escape as it was slit and its blood was poured. And so we read... A call for salvation, a call for the anointed one, a call for Messiah in Psalm 119, 118. Oh Lord, save us. We beg you, oh Lord, send prosperity. Strengthen the, lift up our horn. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord, that temple itself. The Lord is God and he has given us light. Listen, bind the festival sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. You are my God. I give thanks to you. You are my God. I extol you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. How is it that this amazing, infinite God would ever know me at all? He would have to come himself and be sacrificed in my place. Be tied down to the cross, the altar, and give up his life in my place that I might have eternal life. And he was bound 
to the, sa- the sacrifice was bound to the cords. And of course, we know Psalm 118 is quoted as of Jesus. And so Hannah can cry, Oh Lord, give me, lift up my horn, lift up my strength. And you can cry, Oh, save, lift up my strength, listen to me, Lord. Why? Because of Jesus. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Let's praise the Lamb for having been slain and giving us access into heaven itself to join the praise chorus. So let me encourage each of you as you pray to focus on the glory of God. See how great He is. But, but maybe we could not just think about how great He is in His bigness. God is great, but God is good. And, and let that truth sink down into our soul that even though He's so great, that millions of angels worship Him, He sees me. He sees the bitter bowl that I'm eating. And because of Jesus, He can lift me up so we can cry to Him, Oh Lord, remove the bitterness, restore my soul because of Jesus. Let's pray. I'll be standing in the back lobby, be happy to pray with, with you if you'd like. In a moment, we'll have a closing song and closing prayer. But let's all do business with the Lord and according to His Word.